0: Good morning. So uh, over the past few weeks, we've been talking about different locations throughout Scripture and what if, what the journey of the Israelites have gone through since in the beginning to later on when we go to Revelation. And as this morning, we're going to talk about a place in which I was actually really, really excited to talk about instead of getting a place and not knowing anything about it. So this place I know quite a bit of. Um, when I was in high school, uh, our spring break, I went to a Christian school out in Ontario, and uh, our spring break was always a different week than everybody else's. It was always a different week, and it was just, every time we went somewhere, it was just nobody else was there. And a friend of mine in high school, his grandparents had a, had a house out in Arizona at Lake Havasu. And I remember being in high school, we'd go out there for a fishing trip, and I remember being in the car, and it is already like 85 degrees at 6 o'clock in the morning, and we're driving on the 40 to Lake Havasu, and it is hot, Uh, I'm getting antsy because I've already been in the car for two and a half hours, and I'm just like, oh, I want to get there already, I want to fish, let's go. And if you've ever driven out that way, you know that there's literally nothing out there there is nothing, absolutely nothing, nothing, like maybe some trees, maybe some like cactuses and stuff, but there's nothing out there, there's some lava rock, and that's about it, there's nothing out there, and I am on this journey, we're going to Lake Havasu, and there's nothing there, and three hours of just waiting to get there, the anticipation is building up, I'm getting way too antsy, I'm like doing this in the car, just like ready to go, and as we approach the sign that this sign that says now entering like Arizona and there's a bridge ahead of us and as we look out in the distance there's this green pastures and this beautiful wide river known as the Colorado River that flows and everything around it is green and as I see that sight as I approach uh, the river I realize like oh Like, the sense of just, like, we're here comes over. And the sense of relief is just, like, like just feeling in my bones. I'm like, yes, we are here. And I'm super excited. And I remember we get to the house, and uh, we drop off our stuff, get our fishing gear, and head straight to the lake. And as we're at the lake, we're fishing. The weather's great. It's not as hot. It's not breezy. It's just beautiful, and it's relaxing and it's peaceful, and everything around this lake, around this river is green, and there's life, and there's beauty all around it. This morning, we're going to talk about that beauty, that life that is found near a river. So go ahead and open your Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. Joshua chapter 3 And when you get there, go ahead and stand, if you're able to, for the reading of God's word. That's Joshua chapter 3, starting at verse 1 through 17. Hear the word. Early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites set out from Shittim and went to the Jordan, where they camped before crossing over. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the priests who are uh, Levites carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Then you will know which way to go, since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about a thousand yards between you and the Ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Joshua said to the priest, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And and the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, When you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come, hear and listen to the words of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hevites, the the Perizzites, the Girgashites, Amorites, and Jezubites. See, the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then, choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe, And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord and the Lord of all the earth set foot in the Jordan, its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. So when the people broke camp to cross cross the Jordan, the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. Now the Jordan is at its flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carry the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from the upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away at a town called, Ad, at a, at a town called Adam in the vicinity of Zerithan. While the water flowing down to the Sea of Araba, the Salt Sea, was completely cut off. So the people crossed over opposite of Jericho. The priests who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan, while all Israel passed by until the whole nation had completed the crossing on dry ground. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The long reading. So we see here this preparation. We see in the very first five verses of Joshua chapter 3, That God is telling them to prepare. In fact, we see the Israelites prior to this. We know the Israelites have just left, or not have just left, but have spent over 40 years in the desert and have left Egypt and are walking and wandering. And they're in a place in which they are frustrated. They're in a place in which they are tired. They're in a place of doubt. In fact, we see them doubting throughout their journey in Israel When Moses went up to the mountaintop to speak with God, and they can see a pillar. I mean, a a pillar of cloud in my day at night. And when they look in the mountaintop, they can see the clouds forming and know that Moses is talking with God. But in that moment, they still decided to create idols. Their frustration and their doubt has consumed them their whole time. In fact, the whole generation got in trouble because of it. In fact, Moses frustration with God caused them not to enter the promised land. And as the Israelites are walking as they're going, at this moment Moses already passed. The leader that they've had that has guided them through this whole time is no more. He is gone. And I can only imagine what they're going through and thinking this whole time, here's our leader that we've had for years. Who has who God has literally spoke to, who God has given these commandments to, who God met and face, met face with. God met this person and walked with this person, and now God took them. I can imagine this frustration that they're going through and, and realizing that we had it, probably thinking, we had it really good in Egypt. Why did you bring us out here? And God appoints another leader to them. And I can just imagine their face as they're walking, and before them is nothing but green and the sound of water, kind of like the desert on the way to Havasu. There's nothing there but dirt. And as they look out in the distance, I'm sure they saw the the, the mountain ridge that, that is before the Jordan. And inside the, the, the valley, as they climb up that mountaintop, there was life. There was green, and there was flowing water. And I can imagine their reaction being like, oh, thank God, finally, there's hope. There's hope here. Look it, there's water that's flowing, water that we can drink. Just as long we don't have to cross it, like the sea we had did over there. I can just imagine that's what they're going through their head is like, look at what's happening here. There's life. There's excitement. And in fact, we see that at this location, at the river, there is rest. In fact, it says it in in, uh, the first five verses that they sat there in the camp for three days. Three days of just resting. Three days of doing nothing. It was a place. This place, this new place, was a place of refuge. And this place sustained life. There was food around. There was water. Our what what, what our body needs, this place provided it. And as they are there, Joshua, is, I can only assume like Joshua is like wrestling and wondering, how am I going to do this? I I you know I, I saw Moses do it. I had a great example, but God, you're telling me to now lead these people. How am I going to do this? And I can just imagine the weight on his shoulders as he sits and he looks at the river, and as he sees the green, and as he sees the water flowing through this valley, and as he sees these two mountain ridges that surround the valley, surround the river, I can imagine the weight on his shoulders. As we look in the first five verses, we also see this, this command that God gives. And he tells them, he tells uh, Joshua and the, the officers there to consecrate themselves, to prepare themselves, because God is going to do something. But when God does something, in order for God to do something, he wants his people to be in the right place. He wants his people to be ready for what he's about to do. You see, when prior to this, we think, oh, we have to place ourselves in this position in which, in which uh, God does something. And that's, not, that's, that's the case in some instances, but some instances it's not. The Israelites were not in a prepared place when they were taken out of Egypt. The Israelites were not prepared when they saw the pillar of fire by day or by night. The Israelites were not prepared for many things. But in this moment, God specifically asked them, consecrate yourselves. Prepare your hearts. Why? Because I'm about to do something that's going to blow your mind away. I'm about to show up in a powerful way, but for me to show up in a powerful way, I need to see if your heart's ready for it. I need to see if your heart's ready to see and to accept what's about to take place. And so God tells Joshua to tell the officers to prepare the ark, to get it ready And to tell them, when you see the ark moving, go. And stay away from it about a thousand yards because, it's first of all, it's holy. Second of all, you don't know where you're going. And that's okay. He tells them, you don't know where you're going because you've never been here before. But I am in control. As the ark is in front of them, it's us that symbolizes that nobody else knows where they're going. But God is directing the leaders to this place. But God is directing the appointed leaders who he has called, who people may doubt, that he is in charge. And he tells them the office of the Levites to also prepare themselves, to consecrate themselves before him, so that they are prepared too for what God is about to do. We see in verse 6 through 13, hear these words from verse 6 through 13, Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up and went ahead of them. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the eyes of all Israel, so they may know that I am with you as I was with Moses. Tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Joshua said to the Israelites, Come here and listen to the word of the Lord your God. This is how you will know that the living God is among you and that he will certainly drive out before you the Canaanites, Hittites, Hivites, Perizzites, Gergashites, Amorites, Jebusites. See the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of all the earth will go into the Jordan ahead of you. Now then choose twelve men from the tribes of Israel, one from each tribe. And as soon as the priests who carry the Ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, set foot in the Jordan, Its waters flowing downstream will be cut off and stand up in a heap. This is their last obstacle. This is one of their last obstacles to get to this promised land that they have heard. Not that they've experienced, not that they've seen, but something they have heard. This river that is before them is that as one of those last steps to get there. And I can only imagine being there and looking and seeing this river flowing and wondering, we've got to cross another body of water. Why? God, what, what, what more? What, what more do you want from us? What more do you need from us? Why do we have to go through this? Why do we have to walk through this? God, Why? Where are, why? I can just imagine the frustration built up. This place that was once a, a refuge, once a place of safety, a place that sustained life, was now seen as a place of, as an obstacle, as a barrier. And they're like, oh, why? But God promises them something. In verses 6 through 13, God is telling them this. And it's not a, a, it's not a clause in which it's like, I might do this. I might help you out. God is saying, do this and watch. God is giving his word. And as he gives his word, he tells them to get the ark and to go to this river and to set foot in it. And God says, watch the water stop. Mind you, at this time... The, the river, it's harvest season, and the Jordan River is normally around 100 feet wide. I'm not even going to guess what 100 feet is. Maybe from that corner to this corner, maybe probably longer. We'll say double that, okay? It's 100 feet wide normally, but this is the time of the harvest. It's almost double that. This is a time in which Israel gets a lot of rain. It's a time in which the waters rise up, and the river is wide, and it's deep. Normally, it's around 15 to 20 feet deep. At this time, it's deeper because of the water elevation. This is, a, this is not just a little, this is not walking to Mentone Beach. This is not like the Santa Ana River. This is, this is not that at all. This is a good-sized river. This is a good-sized, like, barrier, and obstacle before them. But God reminds them that God is going to use them. He reminds them that he is with them. And he tells them to do this and to watch. Watch for what's going to happen. And at this moment, God comforts Joshua, a man who is probably in doubt of his skills and of his calling. God reminds him that, hey, I'm going to exalt you before all Israel and show them that I am with you just as I was with Moses. God's presence did not change. God's power did not change. God's faithfulness did not change. God's faithfulness was not towards one person, but to his his people. God was with them even after the change. God was with them even in their doubt, even in their fear. God was there. And he he tells Joshua, he tells Joshua in a way, I'm not changing. My faithfulness to you all is not changing. In fact, I'm going to show you that it's not changing. Watch what I can do. But I need you to trust me. I need you to walk in that river. And I can just imagine him being like, this river. Okay. And he tells the Levites and the priests and the officers who are carrying this ark, this holy ark to walk in. And as he does this, as they do this, the power of God out of their faithfulness, the power of God is shown to remind them of who he is and of his faithfulness. This promise of comfort, this promise of I'm with you, is followed by this action of let me show you what I can do. In verses 14 through 17, the ark is brought into the water. And what does it say? Does it say that the water came and rushed and they all drowned? No, it didn't say that at all. In fact, it says the complete opposite, that the water stopped. That the water stopped flowing and the water was blocked up. A heap, a pile stopped and the ground that they stood on was dry. Now, I don't know about you, but uh, going back to like some of my fishing trips, uh, when the water's really low, okay, prime example, one time I was in Bishop with my dad, and we were fishing at Pleasant Valley Reservoir, and there is a creek, a nice sized nice creek, that flows into this lake. It's almost like a river, not quite there, but it's almost there. And the water, this, this was during a time in which we were kind of experiencing droughts, they had a good rainstorm, so the water was up, but it went back down. And I'm thinking, oh, cool, uh, I can, there's some structure there, I'm going to go fish it. So me and my bright self decides to go walk down this bank, and as I walk down this bank, my feet land into like three feet of mud, and three feet for me is pretty deep, which is like, here. <laughs> and I just remember being like, oh my gosh, my dad's like, well, I don't know what to tell you. And I'm like, what's that to say? I have to walk back like a mile and a half to get to the car to dry off, but forget it. So I just left it that way. And like, I'm try- I-, I caught a fish. I'm trying to get this fish. And it's just like, I'm in mud. I don't know what to do. And it's really frustrating. And I'm just like, ah, why? And the Israelites are crossing this river. The ground they walk on. Mind you, that it's flood season. The ground they walk on is dry they don't sink they don't slip they don't stumble they walk right into it as the ark entered the water as they cross this jordan into new life into a new beginning the ground they walk on was dry God just didn't stop the water from flowing. But God also worked in the dry ground. And that, when I saw that and I read that, it reminded me that God works even in the details. That God works in the finest details that he even knows the ground I'm about to walk on when I'm on a journey that God has it prepared for me. That the ground that I'm about to walk on is prepared because my God is looking out for me. I'm reminded that because God did it here, He did it for the Israelites, and I know my God is faithful. I know that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. I know that He is faithful. And as we walk, and as, as I mean, as the Israelites walked, they crossed this Jordan River. And as they crossed, they went into, as they went into the Jordan River, they came out going to new life. New life came out of the river. Old life entered one side and new life entered the other side. As they crossed that river, they were almost there to the promised land. God's faithfulness brought them this far, and God's faithfulness was not going to stop then. But this isn't the only time we see the Jordan River. This isn't the only time in which we see old life enter and new life bring in. This isn't the only time. Does anybody have an idea when we see new life come out of the Jordan River? Any idea? Jesus, yes. Sunday school answer, awesome. Jesus, when Jesus came and when John the Baptist was baptizing people in the Jordan, Jesus comes down to the Jordan River. And as he comes down into the Jordan River, John's like, no, 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 I'm not going to baptize you. You should be baptizing me. And, And Jesus tells him, no, 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 you need to do this. As Jesus goes into the Jordan River, and as he is dunked and baptized, and as he comes up, the mark, the sign of new life begins. A dove from heaven comes down, and the voice of God says, this is my son whom I have chosen. New life comes out of the river. New life is sprung up. We see that when the dove comes down, we know that there's new life because when Noah was in the ark and the flood took over the land and they were just waiting for everything to dry up, a dove was sent out in hopes that they would find dry ground. And as it didn't return, no one knew that the ground was found. This, the symbol of a dove is amazing. And as the dove comes down, the, the symbol of new life starts. The beginning of Jesus' ministry begins. And as we look into, and we come approach Easter, we see this new ministry approaching and this new ministry happening. And there's new life that comes out of it. Lives are healed. Lives are changed. Systems are broken. Chains are broken. Ideas in which hinders people are gone. Because of of the the Jordan River, because of Jesus entering it and being baptized, new life comes out of it as well. So as the Israelites entered the river, they entered, as they left it, new life began. When Jesus entered the river and when he came out, new life began. Now, what does that mean for us today? It means a lot. It means a lot. As I was going through this, I asked myself, we, go to the, we attend the river church. We attend the river and as we look at the Jordan River, as this passage, we saw that it's the place of rest and refuge, a place that reminds, God, that reminds people of God's faithfulness. The Jordan River is a place that displays God's power, love, and compassion. And it is a place that sustains life. And it is a place where new life comes out. And the question that I was thinking of and wondering this week, and it was on my heart and it was heavy, and I was wondering, how do we as the river be the Jordan River to Redlands? How do we as a body of believers, not saying the church building, because this can be gone and it doesn't matter. I'm talking about us. I'm talking about us, family and friends. Us as a body of believers, how do we be a river to those around us, to the community we live in. How do we create a place of refuge? How do we create a place of strength? A place of rest? A place that reminds people of God's faithfulness? How do we live into that? How do we display God's power? How do we display God's love? How do we display God's passion? And how do we display his faithfulness? How do we do that? The answer is through Jesus. The answer is through Jesus. And as we live, and as we go forth from this place, my hope and my desire is that when people see us they see Jesus in us. My hope is that when we walk through the streets of Redlands, when we enter the stores, when we sit in the traffic, when we're driving through the pothole roads that lay in our city, <sighs> mess up my car, that people will see Jesus in us. That we can give life to those who we encounter. Not because we have the power to do it. Not because we magically have this gift to be like, "Here's life, No." but that we allow ourselves, that we allow ourselves to be prepared, like we prepare our hearts, we consecrate ourselves before the Lord, we prepare our hearts for Him to do miraculous things through us. God has called each and every one of you to something bigger than yourself. And many of us here lie in that place of doubt and fear and thinking, I'm not gifted in this. This is not my gift. Therefore, God will not do something in this. Moses couldn't speak. Moses had a stuttering problem. But yet God used him to lead people. Every weakness that Moses told God, I can't do this because of this, 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 and this, God said, watch what I can do. And God did it. And Joshua with the people of Israel goes, God, they're, just, they're people who don't, they just don't get it. And God's like, watch what I'm going to do. God, there's a river before us. We're not going to be able to get through it. It's the raining season. It's harvest. It's, it's flooded. We can't go through it. God is saying, watch what I can do. So River Church, family and friends, let us be a place that gives life. Let us be a place that puts God's work on display. We think, as we talked about it, we think that the river, the Jordan River, was an obstacle. And I mentioned that it was an obstacle in that moment. But God used it to display his greatness. And as we encounter obstacles in our life, know that God will use them to display his greatness. Let us pray. God, we thank you so much. We thank you for your faithfulness and for your love and your mercy and your grace that overflows in our hearts. Lord, as it overflows, I pray that we seek you in all that we do. Lord, may we have faith to step into the river. And Lord, may we have faith knowing that you you will do something. Father God, I pray that you guide us. Walk with us. May we be a place of new life. We love you, Lord. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.